Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, it's Rob Fortress Fortney, former editor at Most My International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild and USSF, and I'm a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete and a coach. Hey, today with us, everyone, we have uh, another physique competitor. Uh, we had Holly on recently. We have Alicia Israel on the show. Uh, let me run down a few things, then you can describe yourself a little bit more in just a moment. But uh, you coordinate fitness programs for Ohio State University. Is that right? Yep, that's right. You compete, obviously. Um, how long have you been competing? This will be my third season. I took a really long off season, so about three Maybe three and a half years, but this will be my third season overall. Okay, and what kind of physique competition specifically? Um, I compete in the figure division for the NPC. Okay, so I was about to make a crack about being a perma bulker, like Rob says. <laughs> it took took years off to add some mass, but I suppose that's a touch and go business with with you all. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. had to do that. So. <laughs> okay. okay, well we're gonna uh, cover a little bit of news, Fortress has some sad news this week for anybody who hasn't seen this on social media. Strength and muscle sport news. What do you yes, got? Yes, our, <clears throat> our first inaugural Mr. Olympia competitor, winner, rather, Larry Scott has uh, kicked the bucket. He's, he's done. Um, kind of sad news. I think I, when, when did it actually happen? I think it March 8th um, he passed away. He was 75 years old. Okay, so. I was curious about his age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, he was. See, he wasn't as tall as he ever appeared to be. He was. I think he was only about five foot seven, um, in the low 200s, first competitive weight. But he was one of the guys that kind of um, spearheaded the kind of the huge biceps kind of thing. Yeah, Mr. Um, he was kind of he was kind of a pure precursor to the whole kind of Arnold Louis kind of massive biceps thing, but. Um, and of course, people are familiar with things like the Scott Scott curl and things like that, which were, of course, named after him. Yes, uh, you know, Rob. Let's pause there. Yeah, listeners, if you're if you're not old enough to know that, this is where it came from, right? The first Mister Olympia. If you do preacher curls or you hear someone call them Scott curls, this is the man. This is the guy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, and he was kind of seen as. Um, Kind of a you know a, a blonde Adonis type. He was in the Southern California mecha bodybuilding scene back in the '60s and you know um, those kind of years. And yeah, so he won the first Mr. Olympia in '65 and then uh, followed that up in '66. Um, and of course, after that, Sergio Oliva came into town, and then a few years later, uh, a certain Austrian named Arnold Schwarzenegger took the title. So, um, but yeah, before before Arnie, before Sergio, there was there was Larry Scott. So. That's kind of it's kind of sad, and he was kind of uh, you know one of the one of the first that you know the Weeder Empire kind of pushed as being kind of its uh, uh, golden boy, 
kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, because he because you know he kind of was a young, youthful, handsome-looking guy. You know, with the you know the Southern California you know um, sun-kissed hair kind of thing and stuff. So he was always quaffed, uh, though, not like a long, long blonde-haired surfer kind of guy. But here he. Oh yeah, he had but. the kind of the pompadoury thing looking, going, going. But uh, yeah. yeah, and I, I've actually met the I've met the guy a couple times, and uh, I mean not for any length of time, but I've I've spoken with him a couple times, and he he was always a very pleasant guy. Um, I believe he was married to the same woman for decades, um, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of sad news. And uh, he was—I I think he uh, lived in Utah, Salt Lake City, for at least uh, the majority of his later years. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, but, yeah, yeah so sad news. Yeah, one of our listeners, I think, mentioned that he had met him in in '04. And at first thought, I'm like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. But gosh, that was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, yeah. you know what? That's kind of when I met him too. So, you know, about that time I met him at one of the expos. Um, so yeah. So like I say, it's uh, you know when you when you think about it, um, and you were kind of mentioning before the show, Lonnie. I mean, you do get to a certain age where you start seeing some of your heroes go. Um, Larry predates me, and I'm you you by. Too as well, Lonnie. But um, you know, it's not going to be long before you know, uh, you know, because because you know, Lonnie and I both kind of consider the '80s kind of you know are the decade that we kind of came into being with this whole madness of weight training, and yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, and of course we're not talking about guys who are passing on like you know like a Greg Kovacs or that. And again, I'm not saying that I professing that I know exactly what his deal was, but. You know, a lot of these guys, those kinds of guys, or Paul DeMeo, or those kinds of guys who are dying because of, you know, um, extracurricular, you know, substance abuse issues, or, you know, just destroying their kidneys through, you know, but guys who are actually dropping dead at, you know, reasonably old age, you know, like like Larry Scott, you know, seventy five years old. That's a, you know, that's, pr- that's probably as about as average as you can get as far as men passing on. So I wonder how much history that is put into modern muscle magazines, actually. You know, because when, like you said, when we got into it in the 80s, you'd see a lot of the old black and whites. They would still try to drum up the nostalgia of the Muscle Beach days, you know, and Larry yeah. Scott was in there, and uh, oh, oh, just for sure. all those guys, right? Uh, Dave Draper, um, Zane. Well, he, uh, you know, um, he is very emblematic of, a, of an era in the sport um, for a variety of reasons, some of which I've already mentioned and you've mentioned, Lonnie. Um, but I mean, even like when you think of a, a guy like Vince Garanda, you know, Garanda, um, who a lot of our listeners might not even know, um, which is kind of sad. And if you don't know who Vince Garanda is, definitely go and Google the guy. Um, he had, he had, he played a big part in kind of the counter culture to what was the more typical culture of bodybuilding. I mean, even though it was still not mainstream back then, but he was kind of, he was kind of the antithesis to the whole gold gym culture. Um, with his gym, Vince's gym, um, and Larry Scott was for a, a period of time was very uh, closely associated with Vince's gym and and all that type of thing. Um, he was he was a, a lifelong Mormon, which was kind of different, uh, I suppose. For um, but anyway, yeah. So it's it's sad. It's sad because that's the like I said, that's the first Mister Olympia. So um, well, and unlike unlike the guys now, they were celebrities on multiple levels. You know, so you saw you saw them all in movies and stuff like that too at the time. Uh, all the muscle people. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because it's true. And, and, and you know, these, these guys weren't, you know, they weren't featured stars of a lot of movies and they weren't like, you know, marquee name like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando in the 80s kind of a movies. But they did play a lot of parts in a lot of those old beach, you know, wave flicks. Um, exactly. well, they, there, you was, know, t- uh, there was uh, Steve Reeves. For the Hercules films. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's obviously a few exceptions, and Steve Reeves would be one of them for sure. But I mean, you know, like as kind of Phil's kind of alluding to the whole idea that there was a lot of these guys that never really achieved big fame on the screen, but a lot of them were in the movies um, because they were, you know, cast as extras and the, you know, the beach flicks or the, you know, the, the the typical stereotypical muscle head that would walk down the thing with a surfboard on their back and. You know, or lifting the girl over their head, or kind of thing. And a lot of those guys, you, you see, if you look back at the time frame of the, what the time frame that kind of Phil's talking about, there. If you look at a lot of those kind of like B level wave flicks, beach flicks, whatever you want to call them, and those types of things, you know, those kind of cheesy Arnold Hawaii kind of movies, um, yeah. you'll see if, if you know your bodybuilding, you can actually spot a lot of guys in those in those kinds of movies, and you're like, hold it, did I just see so and so? So, hey, you um, know, and if you, something just a minute. Yeah. I just want to touch on lately I've been sort of lamenting that you know people are bodybuilding is like the, the law start form and that sort of thing and, and sport and, but you know what just I don't want to put a halo on older days and these obviously he's way predating us by decades but bodybuilding never yeah. was very mainstream I mean compared to stuff like basketball give me a break you know so yeah. I can yeah. I us all I want about how nobody this eat hardly anymore let's say MMA or some of the other things that we've talked about but bodybuilding was always that fringe kind of thing you said it, it had some flavors with the muscle beach there were there's different sort of subcultures within it but it never was super mainstream itself so anyway yeah. I mean as a sport you know. that's true so rest in peace to Mr. Larry Scott and uh, you know uh, condolences to his uh, family and, and friends Okay, so I want to do a, a new segment, everybody, just uh, similar to news, but I just want to call it training achievements. Uh, and the purpose of this is not necessarily just what you lifted or if you placed in a competition, although those would certainly be great, but training, right? I mean, what do we do day in and day out? We, we train, uh, and you have a training lifestyle that entails all kinds of things beyond just exercise, but eating and recovery and motivation and all this stuff. So uh, I'm just going to throw out this this question, and we'll bring uh, Alicia in on this as well. Phil, let's start with you. Any achievements in the last week or two? Yeah, I had. Well, I got two. I'm going to get two, but because I had one happen like three minutes ago while we're on the air. Um, Mr. Ed Cohn gave me his personal phone number, told me to give him a call so we can set up a time to be on the show. So that's that. That that was an amazing thing. It's it's neat to chat with Ed. Um, So hopefully, we'll set that up soon. Um, other than that, I guess this week, uh, it'd be the new program I started. This is the first time that I've ever, I, I'm squatting and deadlifting both the same day, and I'm doing it four days a week. So, holy cow. My, my lightest day this week was 375 for 10 on squat. Heaviest day was 505 sets of five. So, those aren't mind blowing numbers, but when you're talking about, I'm doing it four days a week, yes. and then deadlifting after it. So uh, I'm pretty trashed. Orthopedically, I feel great, but uh, it's one of those. 
battle type thing. So yeah, that, that's an achievement, I guess. I, I squatted 400 plus pretty much every day this week and deadlifted 500 plus several times. So. That'll be an interesting experiment. Yeah, if I live through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Fortress? Any achievements? I'm um, Fortress is always achieving. You guys are supposed to like whoop it up or something. Anyway, um, <laughs> I told you a couple weeks ago when I was on the show that I'm kind of, I'm, I kind of, you might recall I was saying I was kind of fed up with my benching numbers, kind of floating around the same kind of ballpark. Well, I've decided to blast through the plateau with, uh, and I've kind of really altered my my training methodology for bench. So, and I won't get into details, but let's just say that it deals with a lot of volume, with a lot of singles, with a lot of like uh, high percentage, but not 100% percentage kind of stuff. And it's actually yielded some results in the last few weeks already. So, um, I'm happy to report. So, if this if this gets me to where I want to go, I will detail it in more detail. You make an ebook. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Everything has to be ebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I have. You know, one thing I really noticed uh, last week, these past couple of days, I've just got this kind of virus that's shut me down, but I really like pulley rows, seated cable rows. I've gone on about this before, but I love that movement. I rocked my back. You, my whole back gets sore. You know, you can work on your middle back, your upper back, your traps. You can focus more specifically on your lats. Almost anything you want out of that. I get very sore from that. I know that's not a perfect marker of the quality of a movement, but I can do things with that exercise that I can't do with just standing barbell rows. You know, I just, anyway. So that's just, it, I don't know if it's much of an achievement or not, but just being able to throw on, you know, 200 pounds and just row away, uh, I love that stuff. So maybe it's just uh, relearning or re-noticing something that, Maybe I've gotten away from so much, you know, because I don't just squat, bench, and deadlift and do powerlifting accessory movements, yeah. you know. I I think it's a meat and potatoes kind of exercise. I don't really think that's good. so. No, I think that's a fine exercise, Lonnie. Okay, uh, what about, <laughs> let me ask Alicia. What about you? I mean, you must have some um, achievements, even if it's just dragging yourself to the gym when you're tired, you're fed. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's pretty much it at this point. Um, yeah, being a a little a little over two and a half uh, weeks out, so actually a little under that. Um, it, yeah, it is just that I was really happy with this last week. As far as training, I just got in, you know, and I just gave it my all, which that's the hardest part, you know, this close to show. But um, I really wouldn't say that was my biggest achievement, um, really. I uh, actually I run a uh, program at the university called Buckeye Barbells, and it's a strength training program just for girls. And I uh, 50 girls this time. We had like a wait list of over 100 people. Um, so a lot of girls are interested at the university. But anyway, uh, one of my girls shot me an email and said she PR'd on bench. And to me, I was like, that's that's freaking awesome. Like that's. You know, if I teach someone to do that, you know, and they reach a PR, that's that's a win in my book. So I would say for sure that's my achievement. Um, just just being happy for her that she she's benching with the big boys out there. So I would say, yeah, that's it. That's that. It is fun, isn't it? The personal investment that you get in some people, like when you're 
on the coach side or even the nutritionist side, you know, when someone gets to where they want to go and you feel like you had a little part in that. That's Yeah, I was I was a proud mama, <laughs> I think. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, let's segue into you then. Um, maybe you could share with everybody why you do uh, what you do, why you get such satisfaction from all that. What's your origin story? You know, I don't even know if it's where my origin was or, you know, where I started, but I think it was just a, it was a process. You know, I, you know, physical activity has always been a part of my life. I've always been in sports, but... Um, yeah, once I got to college, I, you know, still had that competitive drive, so wanted to do something with my life, essentially. Um, but, you know, as I progressed, the, the focus kind of turned away from me and turned more towards helping other people. And since where I became a personal trainer, I started, you know, you know, diving more into nutrition and, and programming and hence where I am now, you know, working for a university where that's primarily my job is highly education-based with my programming and everything I do there. So really, my focus is, you know, to educate others. And I think that's more important than, you know, how I look on stage or what I lift on the platform. Like, I get excited if I taught somebody um, to to deadlift and they're lifting more than me now. It's like, I don't, it's not a jealousy thing. It's more of like, that's awesome. Like, you're, that means I did my job, you know, or if... I help someone with posing and they go on stage and, you know, rock it, then that makes me feel good. So I think uh, as time has went on, my, my focus has been a little bit different and I just want to, you know, help other people be awesome. So that's that. <laughs> and, and yet you choose to compete yourself, right? What, so there's a drive there. Yeah, for sure. Like I, the thing with physique and, and, and powerlifting is I also do powerlifting in the off season. Um, which my coach gives me crap about, but you know, <laughs> I like lifting heavy stuff. So, just a sense of competing against yourself, I think, um, that kind of drive is definitely where it comes with for me. Um, I could care less how you know the girl next to me is doing, but I definitely want to outlift and you know outshine myself in a couple weeks that I did you know the last show, and uh, and yeah, so hopefully that happens. <laughs> You know, what's your specific goal? What are you going to try to be better than last time then? Well, the, the first thing that I was really focusing on this season, um, not even so much how I place, you know, it's so subjective. Like, you never know what's going what's gonna to happen. So for me, putting a number in my head as, as far as placing is not really what I wanted to do. My number one goal was to experience my prep a little bit differently than I have in the past. Um, prep isn't easy. Anyone that's ever done it will tell you that, you know, but I think there's a better way, and I think it's about finding the way that works for you. So this season, I've done com things completely different. Um, with I have a new coach, and we kind of took things a different direction, and it's been a complete 180 as far as experience and the gains that I've, that I've overshot even more than I was expecting. So that in and of itself is an achievement, um, and what I'm really excited about, I definitely reached that goal as far as my prep has been relatively pain-free, um, and I'm way better out than I was the last time I competed. I'm in a much better position. So as far as that, it's a great success. Um, on stage, I just want to look better than I did last time. So 
really putting a placing on it, I feel like, might not do me a good service because, again, you never know what the judges are going to want that day or who you're going to be up against. So that's that's my goal is just to look better than I did the last time I competed. You know, let me ask you a question, and, and it might be obvious to, to some people and certainly to us, but you're saying about your, how your coach doesn't necessarily like you doing powerlifting. <laughs> no, I mean, it, again, it might be obvious to some of us the reasons why, but what are the primary reasons why he gives you for that? Because, I mean, some of, the, some of the people might be interested to hear. I don't think he gives me too much. I mean, he does a little bit. Just honestly, um, he I've known him for years, and anything I do, he's going to give me crap just because he's like <laughs> the older brother I never wanted <laughs> um, that <laughs> keeps an eye out on me. But mainly I think the reasoning is because if you you know primarily do physique sports, you want to focus on the volume of your training. And with powerlifting, it might be a little bit, you know, that might not be the focus. But for me, the reason I use, I mean, there's a reason. I, I do enjoy lifting heavy, but not only that, but I just need to get stronger. Like if I wanted to get better with my physique, I just, I had to be stronger. I was not strong enough. So just to increase my work capacity, that's the choice that I made was to do that. Not only did I like it, but I think it had a benefit in that sense. You know, it, my primary goal is, you know, to be a figure competitor. So I do have to focus primarily on the shape of my physique. So he always gives me crap about that, but um, I think it's a, it's in a good way. It's to keep me focused. And yes, powerlifting is fun, and yes, you want to get stronger. But what's your what's your main goal out of this? You know, to always have that in my you know, like my my front vision. Keep that in the focus. Do you drastically alter your technique of the exercises you do when you do powerlifting, or do you kind of keep still to to what you do most of the time? See, that was the most challenging part, because um, when I did dive into powerlifting, it was obviously a very performance-based, very technical way of thinking, whereas in bodybuilding, you know, it's, what do you feel? You don't necessarily have to be in perfect form, like, sometimes you have to grind stuff out, you know, and it's not pretty. But yeah, so I think that was the, the biggest uh, issue coming from powerlifting, back into figure was getting out of almost like a performance mindset and more of, you know, what am I feeling right now? Am I pulling it into my traps? Am I really getting it into, you know, my lower back area? Like, what am I doing, you know, and things like that. So I think that was the hardest part because I definitely had to switch gears a little bit. So that was tough. No, I mean, I think one of the most interesting things you said to me so far was, uh, you know, uh, the joy you get about through coaching other people. And I think that's something that I've seen and I know I experienced, but you see it, I think, in all great coaches. I'm, like, shaking it in my seat when they're up there, so I agree. Exactly. But it's it's a blast and the same, and I think it fires up your own training. You know, if, if my people do good, like I had two people hit big PRs yesterday, and it, it gets me excited about my training again, too. Oh, yeah, but, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's something awesome to see. And like, like you said, I mean, my goal as a coach, and, and you said it, too, was... I, I want all my people to beat me. You know, I want them to be stronger than me. I want them to do more than I ever did. You know, and it's it's awesome helping people in that way. There's a natural tendency for people to move in that direction in their 30s. But yeah. Alicia, you're are you mid 20s right now? Uh, a little over 26, but I, we can go with mid 20s. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what I thought when you said that. I thought, oh, you're already moving into that sort of you know, life stage. I mean, I see a lot of similarities with teachers, too, of course. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I like to brag about my students who, that became physicians and that sort of thing, you know, and it's very similar. <laughs> who Who is at a gym right now? Not me. I have one outside, but that's not the noise coming from here. I'm close, but no cigar in the office suite. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, there's something yeah. quiet there. Yeah. yeah. No, maybe, maybe maybe we've Iron Radio has reached such a pinnacle of heaviness <laughs> and authenticity that all the gods of clanging iron are are sapping in, into our Sorry. audio files, that's, or maybe I'm just on a lot of drugs. No, what I wanted to ask you, Alicia, was um, you you do figure competition. Have you ever done bodybuilding, or did you ever consider bodybuilding, or did you? expressly not want to do bodybuilding um i i I think figure is good for me just due to the shape of my body and you know i just personally don't feel that i have you know the muscle mass for bodybuilding um and just my shape tailors more to the figure division so as of right now i'm gonna stick with figure that's why i keep telling lonnie but well (laughs) I, i keep telling lonnie He's more suited for the figure, but I don't know. yeah, hey, maybe that's why I'm so curious. So I was just going to ask, <laughs> delineate for some of the listeners, what's different between like bikini figure fitness, women's bodybuilding? Uh, because I am not envious of this spectrum that you guys have, and I'm you know I've said this before, but in men's bodybuilding, you just get as big and as hard as you can, and then you get on stage, and hopefully you have the shape for it, you know, but. You have that risk, like, oh, you're too muscular, or, right. or you're not muscular enough, or you're too ripped, or you're not ripped enough. Can you explain the women's physique classes for the listeners? Oh, geez, yeah. Um, well, I guess it depends on what federation you're you're lifting in. Um, but as far as the NPC, um, as far as a bikini, as far as I'm, you know, from what I've seen too, because obviously I don't compete in bikini, but more of, I guess, the shape. I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about competing competitors. They're, you know, athletes too, but more busty, more, a little bit more booty, you know, okay. <laughs> things like that. Um, I think, and just, just the way they present themselves on stage is a little bit more sassy, I would say. But um, they've actually, from what I've noticed, gotten a little bit leaner over the last couple years. So. Um, that was interesting. Then figure is, you know, more of a obviously like a gymnasty type of physique, more slender, um, but a little bit leaner and more muscular. Um, physique again is just a little bit more intense with you know muscle leanness. But I think figure and physique are pretty close. I just think it's more of the shape. I think they look for more of a um, a broader shoulder with a V taper with more slender legs and figure and physique um you can get away with having a more muscular lower body and a more narrow upper body depending again what organization you're uh you're affiliated with and then of course women's bodybuilding is just like you said as muscular and as (laughs) hard as possible okay well i appreciate that just for people who aren't familiar you know because i do think it's sort of a floating target for you ladies that's uh it's got to yeah. be a challenge with that, you know. Have you ever been afraid that you were too ripped or or too built <laughs> or no? No, I actually, no. I think I'm very much 
figure. Like I don't, I'm kind of, I don't lean either way towards physique or a bikini. I'm just absolutely not what they would be looking for. I think I am one of the few people who might fall directly into one category because there's crossover. You know, they can some bikini girls can cross over into figure and do well, and some you know physique and figure, bodybuilding and physique, same thing. Like there's a lot of crossover. Um, if your physique allows, but for me personally, um, I know my physique belongs in figure. There's definitely no ifs, ands, or buts. It's where I belong. Okay, everybody, let's go to break. Uh, we've been talking for a while here, and when we come back, we're going to go to the topic of the day, which uh, we're going to learn basically about what women do as far as prep for whether it's physique competitions, and I'm using physique in a general, you know, generic way, any type of body physique kind of competition hi this is dr lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show Uh, if you simply google crc press and protein there's a new development on the right side of the page you can see ebook and there's a purchase slash rent option and the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69. US So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we are back. It's Fortress and Phil and Lonnie, and we're with Alicia Israel, and she's going to uh, tell us a little bit about the final month, especially, of prep for a physique type of competition. Um, But before we get to the final month, can you tell us how you start? Do you jump in both feet first with the diet and the training, or is this a progression for you over the first month? Um, 
Yeah, for for me again, this season's been completely different than I've done in the past. Uh, this season, I actually started back in October. Um, I took the longest prep possible, just so I didn't have to go to drastic measures at the end. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, so I start way out. Uh, I don't necessarily diet down that early, but I use October and November. Um, to really track where I'm at as far as macros and training and uh, be as consistent as possible so I know exactly where I'm starting from. And I I used a really long off-season to purposefully build my calories and to make sure I was eating enough. So when I did have to start pulling things, it wasn't going to hit me like a truck. (laughs) And it didn't, and and it worked awesome. So, again, you know, two and a half weeks out now, or a little less than, I'm not miserable. And that was the goal. So, um, I think that's a mistake some competitors make is they think, oh, eight weeks, 12 weeks, here we go. I'm like, well, if you don't have a foundation, you, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I didn't do any cardio in the off season at all. I just lifted heavy and ate a lot, and it definitely benefited me. So... When I started in October, um, I was tracking everything. I didn't start even, my coach didn't start pulling anything until maybe December, maybe tweaking, not even pulling, I want to say, but just tweaking foods here and there. And then we just kind of went on from January, and that's when we started to really focus in and dial it in a little bit. But um, taking that long of a time to to prep might be daunting to to some people but I would I would highly recommend it just cuz you mentally slowly ease yourself into it you get used to prepping your food um, if you make a mistake it's not the end of the world you know in October or November like you just get you just turn into a machine so like by January it's like you don't miss a miss a thing so it, it's just second nature to to wake up Put your stuff in Tupperware. Get to the gym. Do what you got to do. It's not you're not forgetting anything. You're not missing details at that point. So that's that's kind of what I did as far as dieting and um, training. I was still lifting uh, primarily with a powerlifting twist. I would say up until about January when I started to incorporate more more volume and really focusing on where I needed to hit, what my weak spots were. Um, but even then, like. I still had a main exercise or a main lift in each of my training sessions that, you know, was, you know, had a five rep range. Like, I still lifted as heavy as I could. You know, I definitely incorporated that um, up until maybe a couple weeks ago even. So I definitely think there's some, some value in that, and I still did it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I went from, and now I'm here, and it's it's panned out for me pretty well. Okay. You know what? If I can interject, Fortress, she used one of your favorite terms. She said, dial it in. Did you hear? <laughs> you know what? I did hear it, and I was going to make a crack, and if it wasn't a lady on the air, which is another hairy, sweaty dude, I would have called you on it. But. And we're not making fun of you. It's, just, it, it's one of those things that in the 80s, it got overused so much. You know, Everybody was the complete package, the total package, and they were dialing it in, and it was just kind of, kind of fun. <laughs> oh geez! Well, there you go. Dial it, in. it again. There you go. No, that's good. Uh, I just say it every time now. Yeah. 
just for Rob. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I love it so much. Yeah. Hey, um, so when you say pull it out, uh, pulling macros out of your diet, how are things different now? You said things are very different. Is your diet coach, is he pulling out X grams of carbs every other week, or how are you going about that? Um, well, well, just might as well um, give my coach a little shout out. But um, you know Ben Hartman, he does all my planning um, for nutrition and my training. But um, it depends. Uh, obviously, he did um, pull carbs about two months ago, I think, um, relatively low. But we incorporate refeeds, um, and that's something that is brand new to me um so that's been a little bit different so we didn't start doing that until like january so i've been primarily on a ketogenic based diet where i'll have refeeds at least once a week and refeed i mean just a high carb moderate protein low fat meal or two (laughs) um depending on you know where my weight is how i'm looking and where i need to go but at least one a week. A couple weeks ago, I actually had three because my weight was just, just my metabolism was like a fire at that point. So I was eating so much. So that's what we, we kind of did. It's, again, a little bit different than I've done in the past. Typically, um, with other coaches that I've had, it was kind of uh, hit the ground running, kind of like you said earlier, um, where, okay, we're 16 or 12 weeks out here, no carbs, fat's kind of low eat all protein and see what happens with no refeeds just kind of every day the same thing and with very little change and as far as macros and and calorie amount and uh that was a little bit interesting um as far as an experience but uh this time it's been completely different where i was a starting at a higher calorie amount Um, my macros were a lot higher obviously as well and distributed a little bit differently so when we did slowly, I mean slowly, pull the carbs away, um, it wasn't that drastic. I didn't feel terrible. I didn't feel um, fatigued. I still got awesome training sessions in. And then, you know, I always had a refeed, um, at least one or two meals every week, um, which gave me an extra boost. And it obviously, I mean, it kept my metabolism really healthy. I'm still dropping weight. I was actually dropping weight too fast, and so I had to keep feeding me. Um, I wasn't complaining at that point but um, at all. So, like I said, it's going to be a completely different experience, and I, I don't know if that would work you know, for everybody. I mean, I know everybody's a little bit different, but it, it's really interesting that this season I really found what would work for me, um, and I'm like I said, I'm not miserable. I can function. I can train heavy, and... It's, it's going good. So during the week, if you're low carb, let's say you're doing this like a cyclic ketogenic thing, uh, are you desperate for the weekend kind of for your, for your carb day? <laughs> or, or? Um, I wouldn't say desperate. I mean, maybe because I had 300 grams last night. <laughs> that could be why I'm not desperate right now. I was way full. Um, so maybe I was on, on Tuesday. But, um, no, honestly, I, you know, I guess I would think I'd, I would crave it if you really, you know, had something, you know, it was coming on Saturday, 
you know, it's Tuesday and you're like, oh, I just can't wait for that refeed. But to be quite honest, like, since, again, I didn't have to do anything drastic to get where I am, I don't feel famished or, like, you know, just miserable and I can't wait to eat, you know, that kind of thing. But when it does come, yeah, it's exciting and I love it. But, um, but it's nothing, it's not my focus. My focus is the stage, not the food. And that's another thing I was actually talking to my coach Ben about, which is hysterical because in the past, you know, every time I've competed, I'm just like, I cannot wait to jump off stage and just pound a pizza. You know, just, that's like the best part. I'll just grab my trophy and sprint to the pizza hut down the street, you know, and just be like, it's, you know, be happy. But, um, this year I feel like my focus is so much more on the stage and just, you know, doing my best and food is just an afterthought. So like I said, every competitor is a little bit different, but luckily this season has been so much easier for me. You're so close now. Um, you must feel a little bit depleted. I don't want to say strung out, but you're probably much leaner than you were last October. You know, um, how are you feeling, I guess? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely not, you know, I mean, you know, you've done bodybuilding. It's not like rainbows and sunshine, um, especially, you know, the fourth or third day after you have a refeed. Oh, no, it's it's like you feel like death. You know, but you have to keep pushing through it. And like you said, I've been, you know, going since October, and I have no shame in my game. But when I was in the off season, I was, I think my highest weight was 152 pounds. And I was proud of that 152 pounds. Like, I had to eat a lot to get 152 pounds on me. So I was proud of that. Um, But now I'm sitting, uh, my lowest weight so far, granted, I had a refeed last night. So this weight doesn't count, but uh, my weight before the refeed was 119. So I've never been this light before ever. Um, maybe when I was like 16 or maybe 15, but um, years old. So I'm very very small. <laughs> I know. I was like maybe when I was 10, but no, I, I'm definitely the leanest I've ever been. So. I don't think it's so much I feel miserable, you know, dieting-wise, but it was interesting training the other day when I was doing, um, like, uh, barbell bridges with, you know, the simple just 135, and I went to pick it up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this bar feels really heavy. That's miserable. I'm like, yeah, because it weighs more than I do now. <laughs> and it was so bad. I felt, like, seriously, 135, are you kidding but yeah, so it's. I have to keep reminding myself that I am not 152 anymore. So. <laughs> and you said you're how much? 115. 152. Now I'm 119. God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> See, that would drive me nuts. Now, if we took you today and threw you in a powerlifting competition, you'd come out all depressed because your loads are all down. That's I know, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I just I'm not deadlifting, and that's my favorite lift. So I don't even want to test it right now because yeah. that would make me cry. Yeah, Bill, I was just going to ask. So you come down from, well, you don't try to diet down now, but you've been through the weight classes. Yeah, I've dropped the most. I've dropped is 36 pounds, but she almost dropped the same. <laughs> and she only weighs 150. <laughs> she's half, half, half. <laughs> yeah, she's half my weight. So, 
Um, no, yeah, it's horrible. But but mine's totally different. You know, the weight I lost was not. It was just water weight. You know, I I was. I, uh, that meet I weighed in at 242 and I lifted at like 276 the next day. So I gained it all back in 24 <laughs> hours. So, uh, yeah, that's a totally different situation. So we're always talking about body weight so related, especially the squat, but, you know. So, Alicia, you are trying to keep your weights up at least until just very recently. Right, like... Yeah, that's my main focus, especially in my legs. Um, personally, my legs lean out faster than anything else. So my leg days aren't as crazy, and my cardio is way significantly less than it's ever been. My coach actually pulled all my HIIT training away just, you know, because I didn't need it at that point. I was dropping so fast, and just to preserve as much muscle on my legs as possible. And so I do minimal cardio, very, very little. Um, so my main focus is training. I throw all my energy into that. Um, so at this point, I mean, it's very, you know, just high volume, just getting some blood flow in. Um, nothing ridiculous, but, but yeah, so it's, it's going good. It's just a little bit different. I, I'm excited for the off-season in a couple months, I would say. <laughs> I have a long training or a long season. Uh, this year, but uh, I'm just excited to lift heavy again. I miss it. So you got more than one competition lined up in a row? Yeah, I have um, I have a couple. I'm doing the Natural Ohio on March 29th, and then I plan to also do the Mike Francois on May 10th. So a little bit of a gap, but uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm a big book comp. If you're going to go through that long of a prep, you know, yeah. you cash in fully. You know, <laughs> yeah. Go big or go home. I don't know how people do one show and then they're done. Yeah, I'm like that's just too much. <laughs> yeah, like it's just not a payoff. Right, right. Uh, one last question for you here. Um, there's always this question of the final days, you know, before a competition, and I don't know what Ben will have you do if you guys have discussed this, but you know, water balance and all these kinds of things. Um, do you look at this as strictly or as with, with as much paranoia as a bodybuilder does? Or is it less of an issue those last few days, like carb load? Do you carb load? Do you bring creatine in at any point? Do you dehydrate? Do you control sodium? What about those last few days? Um, knowing Ben and how much of a control freak he is about this stuff, he'll probably been, be manipulating those things regardless, you know, if I'm in figure or not. But because um, I'm coming in so much differently this year, it, I honestly, I don't know. I'm just going to, you know, do what he tells me to do. But I, we have talked about carb loading on Thursday night because we, you know, through the refeeds, another purpose of the refeeds that we did were to, was to find kind of my happy place of where my, um, I guess, limit is. Um, how I react to the carbs that I eat, you know, the next morning, how I look, you know, kind of messing, awa- messing around with, with peaking. So we kind of found my happy number. We're planning on doing that the Thursday before um, my competition on Saturday. So we're definitely going to do that because it worked for me. Now everybody is a little bit different. So I, again, I'm not mad. So I'll get, I know I get to look forward to some, some rice and some, you know, awesome things on Thursday the night before or two nights before. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, sharing, what's that number? 
250 grams of carbs will be my happy number. <laughs> it's like finding your sleep number. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, <laughs> that's my happy place. That, and I'm sure we will manipulate sodium and water a little bit because I am a young competitor or younger, I guess, um, in a sense. I do hold a decent amount of water naturally and I just I naturally have a softer look like I'm not super hard so we are going to have to I'm going to say it again dial it in um, <laughs> at the last the last week ah. um, I had to I'm sorry <laughs> but uh, as to exactly what Ben plans on doing I don't know I'm sure it also depends on how this week goes uh, and how I end up looking in the next couple of days what about the, the tanning and all that kind of stuff. Do you make a to-do list for yourself and so you don't have to worry about it in those last few days? How do you re- try to reduce the stress? Are you very, very tan? you got your to-do list and your, your gym bag's all packed and, you know, what do you do with that whole kind of thing? Yeah, I, I definitely make um, a to-do list because it's a lot to think about. Luckily, I don't have to really travel that far for the natural Ohio. It's just, you know, two hours away in Cleveland, Ohio, so... Um, or two and a half probably, but um, I have family up there, so I'm staying with them. I don't have to worry about hotel issues or having a fridge or microwave, anything like that, because that's always something to think about when you travel. You know, are you going to have a fridge? Are you going to have a microwave? I mean, things like that will make all the difference in the world as far as competing. But yeah, tanning, this is a funny thing that you you know mentioned tanning. Um, I would always... You know, make a little note to if you plan on getting sprayed, schedule your appointment more than two and a half weeks out, like I did, because I almost didn't get an appointment. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was great. I've always painted myself, actually, because I just, to me, that was so expensive to, to get sprayed. But this year, I'm like, you know, just go big or go home, whatever. So I went to schedule my appointment. I'm like, oh, they have one time slot left. I guess that's me. Thank goodness, you know, but definitely do it way in advance. Um, don't make the mistake that I did. I could have been in a tight spot there. Who don't know? Explain the whole spray thing versus oh. <laughs> Can you do that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess if you don't know what that is, you're like, why is she painting herself? Um, yeah, so when you're on stage, you have to be super dark. The lights kind of wash you out. So you have to use a special kind of tanner. Um, you can either buy it and you know apply it to yourself or you can get professionally sprayed um obviously if you get professionally sprayed it's way more expensive like above a hundred dollars it kind of expensive um even up to over two hundred dollars but you can even buy the tanner for yourself just for like 40 bucks and has multiple you can use multiple times um but it's it's challenging who wants to paint themselves you know it's it's frustrating if you mess up like so that's what that is, but you just have to be extremely dark. So you can't just, you know, go to your local tanning place and ask them to give you a spray tan. You're not going to be dark enough. So you have to specifically go to a competition spray tanning um, company or buy the competition spray yourself. So, so yeah, make sure you, you do that on time. I don't even know how you do it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to be much more flexible than you and I, Rob. Yeah, I. You know what? It yeah. really must be must be it because I was was thinking I uh yeah that that would just be a, a not not something I could do. Yeah, I, that's why I don't want to do it again. 
<laughs> it's not easy. But yeah, so that's a big thing. Just make sure you schedule things. Make sure you obviously register for the thing. I mean, this literally has happened where, you know, I've actually had friends who are competing in a show and they literally walk up the day of the show being like, okay, can I register? I'm like, seriously, you didn't, you didn't, really? You know what I mean? So just really knowing what you're getting into as far as the list and everything, make sure you sign up for the show that you're going to do. Don't walk up the day of. But it's been done, so, you know, and as far as other things with, with girls specifically, just to keep in mind, you know, bring extra baggies with you just because things are going to get gross. There's tanner everywhere. There's bikini bite everywhere, which is like the glue that you use to stick the suit on you to make sure it doesn't move. Like, it's I feel like the more I talk about this sport, the more crazy people think I am, but, you know. Um, bikini bite thing, okay. Yeah, so you got to glue yourself. Uh-huh. Lonnie's making a note of that. <laughs> yeah, so if you make sure you don't want things slipping around on stage, just glue it. It's, you know, so things like that. Um, and one thing that I will definitely do this time around that I didn't do last time is bring with me dry shampoo because, you know, if you've ever competed in bodybuilding or anything, or, you know, you glaze up backstage, which, you know, you just put this nasty oil on you to get you to shine under the lights well if you're a girl and you have long hair it gets all over your hair and just gets disgusting so dry shampoo this year is happening so i don't have greasy hair for finals because that was disgusting that's just a little female worry i guess but uh just little things like that to make sure you have doubles of everything yeah i'll even bring extra bikini bike because it's glue it's gonna stick like if it doesn't, you know, if the cap sticks on, then what are you going to do? So bring a fresh one that hasn't been opened. Just like little things like that to keep you sane, make sure you pack your food, you know. But yeah, definitely, definitely write a checklist because you don't want to be stressing the morning of trying to remember everything. And if you forget something, well, you're kind of out of luck. Hopefully one of the girls backstage will share, which is not going to happen. So. <laughs> So, Rob, did you take note about the dry shampoo? You can jot down that one for yourself. Yeah, you know, it. Uh, that'd be helpful for me because I, I don't like grease <laughs> hair and stuff. So That's right. And you're probably um, not getting the joke, but I'm, but I'm just ball. I, I, I've got like a cue ball head, so that's that's where the joke emanates from. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I can help with that. <laughs> okay. Um, any final tip, then, for... A physique competitor, especially women out there? Um, I would say the number one tip that I would ever give anybody is if they're ever interested in doing a show, they need to go to one. Um, I, you know, it's one thing to see pictures of, you know, girls on stage or see, like, open up an Oxygen magazine and see, you know, whatever. But to actually go to a show, see how it's run, see just kind of what the judges are looking for and if it's really something you want to do because there's a lot that goes into it it's super expensive especially if you're a female it suits inexpensive like cheap suits are about three to four hundred dollars you know if you want to get a good suit it's going to cost you almost a thousand dollars for a good suit so there's just things to realize i feel like sorry say that sorry say that again how much for a suit yeah i mean most professional grade suits are about a thousand dollars 
Uh, holy cow! I think I bought my pro- when I was a bodybuilder. I think I bought my trunks for two bucks. Yes. Yeah. So it's different for for women. Um, <laughs> it's really expensive. <laughs> yeah, just something to be aware of. And and the last thing you want to you know be worrying about when you're dieting and you're training is to be stressed financially. So you just want to make sure you budget accordingly and really know like okay, how much is it going to do be to do the show? How much do I have to pay for my my card for the organization? What is tanning going to cost? What is my suit going to cost? My food, you know, if I have to hire a coach, like it all adds up. So I feel like everyone, you know, is interested in competing. They need to go to a show, research it, and really focus in on, you know, where financially they fall so they're prepared. So I feel like that's the biggest thing that I see is, you know, new competitors just aren't prepared in that that sense. Good advice, I think. Advice. All right. Well, I wanted to thank you for being with us. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. It's cool to see that side of things, you know. And, I mean, we've, we've fussed about the primping and the painting and stuff before. So I, I've been grinning the whole time. And you're like, I hate that stuff. And, you know, and it's just that it's the theater side of it, like you said. When you're on stage and you're washed out under floodlights, if you don't do all these things, you can end up embarrassing yourself. And yet it's... At the same time, if you like a lot, a lot of food and a lot of lifting, and you know, and you like the training, it almost seems absurd at times. You know, all the primping, the last-minute stuff that happens. But. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, if you train and diet that hard, the last thing you want to do is let a little mistake, you know, throw you off on stage. You know, the details are the devil's in the details, I guess you could say. All right, good show, everybody. Good stuff. Thanks. Hey, sports nutrition fans, join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.